yes, it's amazing. Even though they have the disease, their heart still shines. They still feel. Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. It's Kathy. And before I introduce my guest, I wanted to tell you a little story about an experience that I had this week. So some of you know that when I'm not podcasting, I actually have a job. (laughs) And in my job, I speak to seniors. And the other day, I was talking with a couple. I had them on a conference call. And earlier, the wife had gotten really upset, and we had to end the call. And so the husband called me back about a week or two later, and we rescheduled, and we were talking. And then all of a sudden, the wife got upset again. She said the husband got upset, and he left the room, basically, and she started talking with me on her own. And one of the things that we were talking about was... um, care that you receive in an assisted living facility and the types of insurance that you should get while you're there. Now, this is not about insurance. I wanted to tell you about the conversation. Because of the fact that she got really upset twice, and then her husband got upset. And when he came back on the phone, he um, kind of you know, I started asking about the situation, why, you know, why had they contacted me? And he didn't say it. She didn't say it. But just from my conversation with them, I, I got the idea that she probably has early stages of dementia. And so I had to be really careful how I spoke with them because I wanted her to be able to get the care that she needed, but I didn't want her to feel like I was telling her that she had Alzheimer's or that she couldn't make a decision on her own or for whatever reason. And it was a really, really tricky situation. I think I handled it it okay. I probably could have handled it better, but I'd like to introduce to you a person who's been in the senior care community for a long time. His name is Rick Tapetti, and he has some stories to tell us. And basically, the reason why I brought him on is because he knows much better than I do how to relate to people who have dementia. So, Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kathy, for having me. I'm very excited to to be here with you today. Well, I'm really excited that you're here because even though you've been working with seniors since, what is it, 2011? That's correct, yes. You actually always had a love for seniors. Tell us about your days in high school when you used to go to the senior centers. Yeah, you you bet. It it goes back to my sophomore year in high school at uh, St. Bernard High School in Los Angeles. And Father Scott, he was an amazing man uh, to support the community. And he thought how impactful it would be for us at the school, at the high school level, to go engage these seniors. And at first, I was like, wow, what is this experience going to be? I wasn't sure what to expect. But I remember going there with a group of us and seeing the smiles and the faces of these individuals lighting up when we'd walk into the room. And just spending a few minutes of time with them, holding their hand or playing cards with them or listening to music that takes them back to their day, there was such a a warm feeling of being able to have that opportunity. And it really stayed in my heart and such a great memory. And I would do it through high school uh, and literally would go just about every week uh, from mid part of my sophomore year on. And um, I just 
it just there was a warm feeling in being able to look in their eyes because I know someday I'm going to be there. But what impact can I make now? And it was an amazing it was a great time for me and really warmed my heart. You know, it's funny because now they have a name for that. It's called multi-generational programs. They didn't really have a name for it when we were in high school, did they? <laughs> no, they they didn't. And you bring up a really good point, Kathy, because, you know, there's a word that was going on back then. Of course, this was the late 70s, um, the word convalescent, which is to me a, a bad word, if you will, for lack of a better term. I don't like the word. They use that word then. And I'd like to think as time has evolved. We have evolved, too, in how we treat and bring that care and hopefully joy to those seniors in the centers today that may have uh, early onset to late stage dementia. Yeah, that that's that makes a you make a good point on that. Now, after you actually got into the senior care world, your aunt was diagnosed with early onset dementia. Is that correct? That is correct. It was precipitated by a couple of falls that had happened, and she would then be diagnosed with vascular dementia. And I saw it firsthand through my own family, uh, the pain of having to deal with the transition of my aunt, who was a vibrant woman, a very successful real estate agent, uh, a woman, if you will, that was extremely successful in a time when men dominated back in the 70s and just did so many things. And so for my father, who was three years younger, it was very impactful to have to see her decline over that period of time. And it also coincided around the same time that I took my job at Silverado. So I had a passion in my heart to want to serve seniors. But when I saw it in my own family and with my cousins, I also had that in my heart to want to support them. But also seeing the tears of my own family made it real that this is not just about this disease that's hitting people across the world and in our country, but it's also now in my family. So it really helped to focus my purpose of what I need to do going forward to serve. Wasn't that strange that it happened right after you got into the business? It's just, what a coincidence. I, you know, Kathy, it really was. It was only a few months in. And, you know, I give credit to my wife because my wife, Monica, knew that there, she knew from my past what I had done. And as I may have spoke to in the past, I had a very different path. I did different things with my life from IT technology to having a magazine. But when she found the opportunity with the company I would ultimately go to, she says, you've always had this in your heart. And then, yes, it was weird how things work. You know, life had, takes us down roads. And then six months in or so, of course, this would happen to my aunt. And, you know, things would happen. I would provide resources. And um, she transitioned in January of 2015. But love of family and, and, a, and a lot of good support was certainly with her to the end. Wow. How old was she when she was diagnosed? She was, let me think, she was actually about, uh, she had just turned, uh, I think, about 80. Mm. And um, when she transitioned, she was uh, 83. Mm. And But, you know, I think it really, it just speaks to quality of life, you know, that we want to be able to give to our loved ones. And that's ultimately what my passion is today to those that I interact with or when I communicate to people how you should interact with people that have dementia. Now, you heard my story at the beginning of the episode where I didn't really, I mean, I still don't know for sure that she had dementia. But it was just weird to me that the first time we had a conversation, I don't even remember what I said. And she got really upset and started yelling at her husband saying that he just wanted to 
I think we were talking about diapers or something. I, I don't remember exactly what it was. She, she, it, she it sounded like she thought he was abandoning her. But they had moved together to this home. And I didn't know what to say. How can you tell if somebody has dementia when you're working with them, if you're not a medical professional? Is, are there telltale signs? I think there's different things that come when you're in front of somebody or you can kind of sense there's different things. I try to follow a course when I'm in communication with somebody. I think the most important thing that I try to do is have keep the tone of my voice pleasant and soft. People don't realize sometimes if you're in an environment and there's other individuals like you and me, but other people that have dementia in a room that the noise can have an effect on how they react to things. So it's always about keeping the tone of your voice pleasant soft, speaking slow. And then if they're getting agitated and they're sitting in a chair and they seem like something might be going on, it's coming down to them, gentle eye contact. Because if you show a gentle interest in maybe what they're saying, they'll listen to you, but sometimes they won't. So it's how are we coming? Because they can really feel our body language if perhaps we're tense. So I understand that people that may have it, it's sometimes we can't even ask the why question because they can't reason. So sometimes I just try to, you know, maybe change the topic. I try to stay away from negative words. Um, I think with, with folks that have a dementia diagnosis, it's about making simple choices, which will help them have a sense of independence. So it's never really asking them the why question. It's really giving them simple choices, whatever it might be. Um, would you like to wear the blue sweater today or the red sweater today? Um, if they're having an agitated moment, maybe we'll just take a step back, say, would you like to go take a walk around the garden? Sometimes it's almost about diverting to something that maybe that individual likes to do. So it's so important, I think, for people in memory care communities today that have individuals or even people that are getting care at home to really understand who are these people? What were the things that drove their passion? Did they like to garden? Did they like to ride bikes? Were they athletic? And really understanding, you know, what those things are and then help them use and maintain the remaining strengths they have today. I, you know, one of the things I, I always try to say is we need to celebrate their abilities and not focus on their limitations. And if somebody is having those agitated moments, we almost just kind of need to be gentle and let them have the moment and then maybe you know, redirect the conversation, but speaking slowly, because again, it all starts with tone and our, and our eye contact and just the gentle, because they can still feel our nonverbal. You know, now that you say that, I do recall there being a lot of noise in the room when we were talking. There must have been a television on or something like that. Do you think that in my situation, because I wasn't there face to face, so I wasn't able to, you know, give them the the eye contact and the things that they needed. Do you think that it would have been appropriate for me to ask them to turn off the television? Well, you just really hit the nail on the head for lack of a better term. When we talk about, when we talk about television, because the television can actually be a major distractor um, to individuals that have dementia. And it's interesting. I know there is some communities out there that potentially will, you know, use it for entertainment purposes but that doesn't really work because it's not a good quiet time activity and going to your point, it could actually be agitating. And the other thing too, that's also important to know is that most Alzheimer's residents, they can't follow TV. 
And what it does is it distracts them when it's on during other activities and or to your very good point, if you're having a communication with them and the TV's on in the background, it could almost be like this additional white noise that could actually make them even more agitated. Because for people with dementia, the thing that I always share is there's only they can only focus on one thing going on at a time. And it really and it, what it really does is it dulls their, you know, remaining ability to respond to other stimuli. And so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say because we, you know, have a Sunday and a football games on and, you know, it's, uh, you know, get the guys together and certainly some ladies to watch a good game. OK, but to use it as a entertainment or an engagement to stimulate the mind, it doesn't do that and it's not therapeutic. And certainly to that end, I would say respectfully to all communities out there that are possibly considering a community, it's not really therapeutic programming for families or potential clients to see when they come in. Hmm. In interesting. Okay, so we have some of the um, issues with communicating with people with dementia. Some of it can be background noise. It can be your body language. It can be, you know, just they woke up you know, agitated for whatever reason. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some things, some additional things that we can do. And Rick's going to tell us maybe a couple of stories about some things that he's seen and heard. And um, so we'll come right back after this break. Want to support the show? I do this show as a love project for you, the listener, but I have expenses I have to pay for the hosting of this show every month. There's also the creation of the show notes. There's the editing, because I certainly can't do that myself. So I've created a place where you can go to support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support and select your level of support. It would mean the world to me. Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. I'm Kathy Klein, and I'm sitting here with Rick Tepetti, and he's going to tell us about how we can better communicate with people who have Alzheimer's. So, Rick, welcome back. Thank you. So, tell us a little bit about some things that you've seen, of course, not naming any names because we know that you have confidentiality issues to deal with, but do you have any stories that you can tell us about issues that might've come up and how you dealt with them so you can help the listener, you know, when they have a problem? You, you bet. I'll do the best I can here. I, I can only share some great stories that I have come into contact with over the years. I think what's so important, and, and it goes back to what I said earlier, and that it's understanding the individual and understanding what may have been important to them in their life that they led before they came into perhaps a community environment because now they're diagnosed with dementia. And it's about giving them purpose and understanding that. And let me give you an example, a few actually. I had a gentleman in my travels over the last few years that was a former FBI uh, director, high level up, we'll call him Richard. And he had came into the community environment, very agitated, had been asked to leave two other communities prior. And the wife was very frustrated because she knew what a smart, intelligent, loving man that he was, been married many years. 
So for us is, well, tell us about Richard and what did he like and what are the kind of things he used to do? And when we started to understand who he was as a director, we realized that this is a gentleman that needed to be in a position of authority or feel it. So in the community environment to which we established for him, we got him a walkie talkie. We got him a badge that said director of security. We had we got an FBI hat that his wife brought. His heart started to lift up. His eyes came up. So even though the disease was within him, he started to feel a sense of purpose. And then a gentleman that he had hired years earlier actually brought forth a certificate that said, thank you. Congratulations. We now need you to be in surveillance at this particular community to which then we presented to him. And it really helped to build his self-esteem. And I fast forward the next three years plus that sense of purpose has stayed in him. That's one story that I can share the impact, understanding who he was. Another resident that we had had shown some agitations and we had tried to redirect. So we were trying to figure out and understand what was important to them. So one day, one of our people, our maintenance people, see a gentleman as we were doing some upgrades within our community and saw a gentleman painting, rolling, like rolling a room. And we thought, wait a minute, is he part of our team? We came to find out that John, we'll call him John, was painting and not doing a bad job. So the gentleman goes to his foreman and says, who is this person? It was actually one of our residents. Fast forward, we end up having a conversation with the wife. We come to find out he was a commercial painter. Well, we got him involved in painting. We started to get him involved in some of our other classes that engage painting so he could express himself. Because for many of these individuals with dementia, they can't verbally communicate, but they can express themselves. And how do we help them to do that? By giving them activities, getting them to feel worthwhile, stuff that gives life meaning to them. And those are the things that are so important. Um, Elizabeth, another, she was an accomplished pianist back in the 60s and 70s. To this day, every afternoon at the community, she will play the piano and caregivers will bring in the other residents and listen to her play. And it calms them. But it's also an activity of meaning to her. So right out of the gate, and I have some other stories, I don't want to keep talking too much, but those are out of the gate that speaks to positive meeting for that person. And I think we have to give these people that opportunity because there's different skills that people have in them, but it's understanding what makes them tick. What did they used to do? And then finding out what those are and then allow them to be able to do it. I'll stop for a minute, but that's just a thought. <laughs> wow. You know what? I love those three stories. The, the FBI guy, especially. I mean, uh, <laughs> who would think that one of his former coworkers would bring him a certificate saying that he needed to survey the um, the community? Is that the community where he lived? Absolutely. The community where, I, where he lived. And if I may, what was so wonderful about it at the community, we did an event and actually this happened last year called Boots and Badges, which was wonderful because it was an opportunity to honor our police and fire department for all the wonderful things they do to serve our community. And there's actually a picture with Richard, with the police and the fire department, because early in his career before he went to the FBI, he was also a police officer. And you know what just warmed my heart and my wonderful people alongside me is to see his eyes light up. And 
that to me, for all of us that either have a loved one with dementia in the home or in a community, is to realize that that is what it's about. Celebrate their abilities. Put them in that type of environment that lets their heart shine because it goes back to something that was important to them. And I'll tell you, that picture with them, his wife had tears in her eyes because we did a barbecue and she was standing to the side and she said, you don't know how much this moment means to him. And I'm like, yes, it's amazing. Even though they have the disease, their heart still shines. They still feel. Wow. So what if somebody is not in a community? What if they're still at home? So are you saying that, let me think. So my dad was a welder and of course we're not going to give him a welding kit, but that means he was pretty good with his hands, right? Mm-hmm. So, and he has uh, early stage dementia, but he doesn't live here. He lives in a, another state across the country. So for example, I would give him stuff to do with his hands. So give him like, let's say I have a box of junk that needs to be sorted out. You know, like I've got maybe a bunch of makeup in a box at in my closet. So I'd give it to him and I'd say, can, you know, since he's good with his hands, right? Cause like he right. can't weld cause that's dangerous. Um, but I'd say, Hey dad, would you wind, would you please do this for me? Would you, I, I really need this box to be sorted out. Could you please put all of the boxes that look like this in one place? Would, would that be something that you're talking about or would it be something more ongoing? Well, to your point in understanding who your dad is, there could be simple tasks like that where it's, can we organize, you know, potentially there could be this little set of tools or we have these things in a box that are items, some of which maybe connect him back to when he was younger and used to work in the garage. Obviously, we need to be sensitive to the object, so the sharpness of it, if you will. But if it's something that could be manageable and you and it's in an, in an environment where you're close by, but it gives him a sense of purpose then you're giving him something that warms his heart because it takes him back in that moment to something that he enjoyed doing and it makes them feel important. And to your point, we had another gentleman recently. Well, I had a gentleman about a year ago. He was an accountant. So we would have him come in and then when we would do educations, we would have him organize all the the sheets that had all the information that spoke about the event that day. And we would say, you know, Bob, can you please make sure these are all nice and organized? And then I really need your help to go ahead and set these things outside or set outside, excuse me, set them up in the room at each table. And every month when we would do it, he would be involved in that process. We would also have individuals maybe that perhaps answered a phone in the past job to be up there on the front of the, uh, when we'd answer calls literally like up there and not necessarily maybe to answer the calls, but to feel like they're right there in the mix of things. So it really is understanding what it is that they enjoy doing and getting them involved in that. And there is a lot of different things and I'll touch on it in a little bit and sites that people can go on um, to be able to get resources. Certainly in today's times, we have a lot of different resources, but it's really tapping into what are the things that people can get involved in because engagement activities also need to be appropriate to the individual. So it's finding out what they like. And, you know, maybe it's people love to, they loved running back in the day. Well, maybe now it's, let's get them out every day to walk. 
um, you know, sewing, you know, maybe it was my gosh, my mom just loved to sew back in the day or she had her garden. Um, and I think that's important to be able to get them to do things that it's important to them. Maybe it's making jam or baking or making cookies. Um, we have a gentleman that was a retired fire chief and he had birds. So we brought, his daughter actually brought in the birds, but he used to take care of them. And we'd ask him question, tell us about your, your birds. And, you know, wow, they're just so amazing. And it goes back to just making them feel important. You know, dad, um, tell me, I mean, how you ended up, you told me back when you rebuilt that 1959 Chevy and you redid the engine and like sometimes almost just having an engaging conversation with them about something that was important to them back in the day, that lights them up. How do you figure out what to talk about? Okay, so, you know, let's say you want to talk with a family member and the family member is starting to have dementia and so forgetting things. And how do you think, like, is there a list somewhere of things to talk about with dad.com? I mean, like, how do you come up with these ideas? You know, I know there is definite resources out there that we can that one can come up with um, that talks about different games, activities, you know, Alzheimer's and questions to ask loved ones. I can certainly present that to you um, at the end. And I have them. I think the most important thing is there's two components, because if I'm the spouse and it's my wife, there's a lot of dynamics going on. I've been married 42 years. I'm, I want to be a good husband. Now, what do I need to do? Because I'm seeing some things. I think what I try to say to people is it's like there has to be a gentle process for some, because sometimes it's not cut and dry where my wife all of a sudden had this psychotic episode for lack of a better word. And now, uh, she has to be now put to a behavioral health and now she's in a community. It could be just subtle things like I'm getting a phone call uh, that my wife is in Santa Barbara and we live in Temecula. And why is she there? You know, she could drive, she's there. So now I've got to look at things and go, okay, we got some issues here. Um, I think the thing about looking at the situation and of course it's all about being prepared and planning and the kids get involved too, is there is communities and resources local to all of us out here in California and certainly the U S but, um, where people have the flexibility to look at programs where they can maybe have their loved one go just for the day. So for example, I love my wife and I realize perhaps I need a break. So maybe you take them to the community to see different people that might be in the same environment, but it's also engaging activities, knowing what your loved one likes, getting them involved in that. And then when you realize, oh my gosh, a Susan just loves da 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 at the community, you're like, well, gosh, let's try to do more of that. Like we, we did a drive yesterday and she loved that she was looking at the ocean and it just made her smile and she was so happy. Well, then I know that's something that maybe it takes her back when she was a little girl because she used to go to the beach in Florida. So going to environments, you know, going to a community that has like day programs or respite programs where they could go for two, three days. It's also important for the caregiver, the loved one, not to burn out. They need to take care of themselves because they need to be there for their loved one. I hate to interrupt, but I, you know, what you just said made me think of something. A lot of times the caregivers have guilt. You know, they feel guilty when it's time to place their loved one in a community. 
Like they feel like they should be able to do everything. And as you know, Rick, we, we, we just can't. And a lot of times the care that you get in the community is actually going to be better care because there are people who, you know, have, they, they have knowledge on how to deal with people that have physical or mental issues. And I did not realize that a lot of the communities had these day programs where people could go because then you could baby step them into the community because then they would already know people there. They would already have some experience with the community if they're if they're going two, three days a week. Do do a lot of communities do that? These day programs? Not all the communities do that. There's a lot of different communities out there and blessings to all of them. You have many communities that provide from an independent living to assisted living to a memory care. Some environments maybe even potentially have a skilled nursing facility where individuals might need appropriate care there. It just depends. Certainly it's an, it's an item to look at when people are considering care for their loved one is the flexibility for lack of a better term, to put your feet in the water. With the day flex programs, those options are presented because it really allows them to maybe once a week, is it to see, is this an environment that my husband, my wife, my father, my mother can thrive in? And then out of that, be able to take that information and then marry it back to what I'm doing at home to give them that similar stimuli. And then to your point, if things evolve and I go, okay, uh, let's say being part of the sandwich generation as I am. And I go, okay, my daughter's getting married back East. I've got to go to a wedding with family. I need three, four days being able to feel comfortable because you've vetted this community, which you can look online. And there's certainly, you know, uh, Yelp, if you will, and things to give reviews that you get a break because again, it goes back to the burnout. And then ultimately if time evolves, because the disease does progress, then you can feel good in your heart that you're putting your loved one in a warm, safe environment and being able to have the peace of mind, but also still have the life of who you are to the other people in your life. You, cause you know, you have maybe children and other family members that love you that are of sound mind. They certainly love perhaps that was dad or whatnot, but they still need their mom. So it's about having that balance. So yes, they're, they're definitely out there and it's important because everybody's at a different place when they decide, yeah, I, I love my husband, but now I need to put my arms around myself so I can be there for my other kids and my family. Hmm. Hmm. Well, thank you so much um, for that knowledge that you have been imparting to us. And I know that you agreed to come on this show. I know that your time is limited because you have an engagement after this. But let me recap some of the things that you said. Um, when dealing with somebody with dementia, you need to keep your tone of voice level and soft, give them gentle eye contact, watch your body language, change the topic if you need to, and um, ask them simple questions. Don't say something vague like, what do you want to do today? <laughs> that would not be simple. Um, if things go sideways, you can change the topic, you can try diverting their attention. And so those are some specific ways of dealing with people one-on-one. -on -one. But just in general, you need to think about the person as a whole and celebrate their abilities. Think about what drove their passion when they were younger. And if they're living with you or if a community should give them a purpose, like like you did, your community did with the walkie-talkie, you know, the FBI guy, the painter guy, and the piano gal. 
So is that kind of, do, do I have that right? Did, did I, did I get that information correct? You, you, you did Kathy. And I, I think like we said, you know, there's, there's always so many stories. And I always say that if, if our heart's in the right place, when we communicate, those are the moments that people are going to remember because I, I, I will share one more story and it always stays in my mind. Early on, I met this lovely lady just every day. She had her hair fixed up lovely nails because, you know, the salon was there. <laughs> and uh, we'd come in and, gosh, good evening, Margaret. How are you? And she would always be very pleasant. She goes, oh, I've got to get ready because my husband is going to be home soon. <gasps> okay, well, gosh, what, what time do you expect him? And, well, I'm not sure. I'm a little worried because he's a little bit late. I said, you know what? No worries. Let me go follow up. Do you have the number? Yes, here's the number. So go make a phone call. Well, so we come back. Your husband said he's running it a little bit late, but he wanted us to tell you that he loves you. There's a little bit of traffic and he can't wait to see you soon. She would smile and she did this just about every night for over the next year until she transitioned. In those moments, and I say this to all the kids out there with their moms, their dads, if a loved one has passed, be in the moment with them, be wherever they need to be and be like, yeah, dad's going to be home soon. He said he'd call a little later because in that moment, they will feel the positivity in the heart, but then they will forget thereafter. To end that point, Margaret's husband had passed 15 years earlier. She was uh, diagnosed with dementia two years prior. But I know in my heart and our amazing team within our village at our company, that every night there was still this warmth of, oh, he loves me. And every caregiver would always follow course for her, no matter if it would be myself in my role or the other. So I always say, always be there from the heart to, again, celebrate their abilities. Don't focus on the limitations. Give them opportunity to live. Understand what's important to them. Understand what was in their heart to what they did. So now you can start doing some of those things now to give them a good life because even though the disease may be there it doesn't mean they still can't live and still have that social involvement in living each day oh that is so uplifting and so inspiring thank you so much rick for coming on the show um if somebody has questions or wants to reach out to you how would they do that yeah you bet well i can give you my direct number kathy absolutely uh it's uh, area code seven six zero two one five 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 one seven and certainly however i can support those out there that are trying to figure out the best fit for their loved ones i am here to be able to do that and that's really what my purpose is in life doing what i do today and um, i can certainly give you additional websites for resources as well so you let me know as far as activities because there's certainly some great sites out there um you know, well. I would love that if you would send them to me and I'll put them in the show notes and then sure. anybody can, can go to this episode show notes and they can get all that information. I would really appreciate that. I absolutely will do that. I will make a note as soon as we're done here and between today and tomorrow, you will get that. And hopefully that'll help some families out there going forward. That'd be great. And for the listener, if you would like to continue this conversation, you have two options. One is to go to the show notes and post a comment. But the other is to join our Facebook community. And to do that, it's free. You just go to rockyourretirement.com 
slash community. And sometimes these conversations take place there and you're welcome to join us in the conversation. So Rick, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And to the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app, and then you search for the show, and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show, and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to, normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is, 
or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.